The following is from East Delta Baptist Church. For more information, visit us online at www.eastdeltabc.com. Recalculating our journey, that's getting back on the road where God wants us to be. And and we've looked at this through the book of John. And and this morning, I I want us to think about getting our bearings. Have you ever ever got lost somewhere and and, uh, you, you say, well, give me just a minute and let me get my bearings of where I'm at. That's what I want to talk about this morning. Before I go there, I want to ask you this, and I don't want you to answer. I want you to think about this. What is our ministry here at East Delta Baptist Church? This morning, if we were to come to each one of you who are a member of this church and ask you, what is our ministry? What's your answer? Now, folks, you are the church. You're the church, amen? I'm not the church. The building's not the church. You're the church. So, as you on your spiritual journey, what is the ministry of this church? And even beyond that, what is your ministry? I want you just to think about that. I may have told you all this story, I probably did, but I got lost one time. I've probably been lost more than one time. But I got lost on Cooper Lake. Me and my dad and my son Jacob, he was just very small. The lake hadn't been open that long, and we went out on my boat, and we went up to a a creek there that, that goes off the main lake and goes back in the timber. And, folks, the timber was thick back then. And uh, we were fishing, and as we were fishing... Uh, it, it got dark on us. And while we were in this creek, I decided that we would move off of this creek. And we moved off in some timber, and we're working our way through. And finally, uh, I said, we're gonna, we need to go. It's getting dark. So we started working our way out of the Cooper Lake. <coughs> we were kind of over on the uh, southwest end of the lake. And uh, we were driving, and... Uh, I'm not talking about for five or ten minutes. I'm talking about for an hour. Uh, Some of those trees were just wide enough for a boat to fit through, and some of them weren't even that wide. And we were uh, bouncing off trees and just easing through, and we would get to places where we couldn't go forward any longer. We'd have to look and look around and try to figure out a way we could move. And after going in a, a few circles and back, tracks and different things it was pitch black you know it gets dark where there's no light and it was dark and it was so dark that uh, all I had was a little red and green light on the front of the boat and that was all the light we had and one white light on the back of the boat and we were lost and what we needed was to get our bearings Because we didn't know if we were going north, south, east, or west. We knew we weren't going up and we weren't going down. But other than that, we had no idea where we were going. Jacob saying, Daddy, are we lost? I said, we're fine. I scared to death. I was scared to death. I thought, we're going to have to spend the night on this lake because we are lost. Uh, And I just remember remember going and and looking and, and... uh, just realizing at some point I sat down and uh, back in my seat I was standing and I, I just said, I don't know what to do. I don't know where to go. I'm lost. 
Now, we all get lost at times, don't we? Whether we're on a new lake or whether we're driving somewhere or whether we're going into a new building that we've never been in before, we can get lost. It's pretty easy to get lost, but not only do we do that sometimes when we're driving or boating, sometimes we get lost on our spiritual journey. I mean, we're on a journey. If y'all remember several weeks ago, and if you weren't here several weeks ago, we talked about this. We are on a spiritual journey. If you're a born-again Christian, you're on a spiritual journey, and you begin that spiritual journey, and you're moving forward, hopefully, in your spiritual journey. Sometimes we have to recalculate, and sometimes we get lost on our spiritual journey. I'm not talking about falling from grace. I'm talking about all of a sudden in our spiritual walk, we've lost our bearings. We've kind of forgot where we're going and where we were headed and and what God's purpose is for us. The tragedy is some folks are lost spiritually on their journey and they don't even realize they're lost. So what I want us to do this morning is, is ask ourselves spiritually and on my spiritual journey, where am I? Where am I today? If, if I look around on my spiritual journey, where am I today? You know, uh, the, the thing when we talk about this is if we talk about being on a spiritual journey, I want you all to know that's not a very popular subject today because when we start talking about being lost on our spiritual journey, that sends the ideal that there is a right way and a wrong way doesn't it? If there's no right way, we can't be lost on our spiritual journey. Now, I don't want you, again, I want to remind you one more time, I'm not talking about lost in salvation. If you've accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you are saved. Okay? Nothing's going to change that. Amen? You're, you're a born-again Christian. You've been saved. What I'm talking about, again, lost, is is getting off the trail or getting off the path or, or losing your bearings where you are spiritually. Now, as we think about that, in our worldview today, or, or the world's view, there's a term that we call postmodernism. And, and that postmodernism claims that if you believe that there is a, a one direction, a truth, if you believe that, if you believe there's, there's a truth, there's a right way, there's a, there's a spiritual target that we're headed for, if you believe that, you're narrow-minded and ignorant. That's what the worldview is. That if you think that there is only one way, that there's something wrong with you. Today, it's more popular than, than, than certain claims that, you, that say, you know what, everything's okay. As long as you're on a journey... You're okay. That's, that's kind of what postmodernism is. And it, it, it simply says that, that there's different roads, and all the roads lead to God. That's postmodernism. And folks, that is today's worldview. You don't have to look very far to figure that out. You know the reason for that is because today the world has decided they can tell the, what's good and what's evil. So the world says, hey, I think this is good. Doesn't this sound good? All roads lead to Christ. Doesn't that sound great? Doesn't that sound popular? Doesn't that lift a burden? You can go, doesn't matter if I'm lost, doesn't matter where I'm going, I'm going to end up in heaven. That's the worldview today. That's, that's postmodernism. But folks, when we as Christians say, hey, there's one road to God, 
then all of a sudden that sounds intolerant, it sounds uncaring, it sounds uneducated in, in the postmodernist ears. Folks, we need to face that. I, I, I heard about this. I, I actually read about this. Tim, Tim Stafford in Christianity Today says at the beginning of the class, he's talking about uh, an introduction to spiritual seekers and inquirers. At the beginning of the class, he shows them a jar full of beans, and he asks each participant in the class to guess how many beans are in the jar. Then he asks each participant to write down the name of his or her favorite song. When the lists are completed, he reveals the action number of beans in the jar, and each class participant looks over the, the, the guesses to determine which was the closest to being right. Then he asks the class, now which of these songs is the closest song to being right? And of course, the, the class answers, there is no right. There's no wrong song. It's simply a person's favorite song, because the favorite song it's simple a matter of preference. That's the answer. Then the pastor asks the group of seekers, when you decide, listen, when you decide what to believe in terms of your faith, is it more like guessing the number of beans or choosing your favorite song? And every time, the majority of class participants respond by saying, it's more like choosing your favorite song. Songs. That's postmodernism in the world day. In other words, there is no right. It's personal preference. It's whatever you think. It's whatever you believe. It's personal preference. And when you think about it, the postmodern claim that all spiritual claims are equal, that's really a self-refuting claim. Think about this. I, I love this. Jeremy and I talk about this a lot. To claim that anyone's spiritual truth is as valid as anyone else's spiritual truth, is, is a rejection of spiritual truth in the first place. In other words, th that's, a, that's an absolute that there's, a, there's no such thing as a spiritual truth. Y'all know what I'm talking about? I mean, when people say, hey, you're absolutely wrong. All roads lead to, he lead to heaven. There's not an actual truth. What are they saying? <laughs> the truth is, there's no truth. But, but they're giving you a truth. Boy, I wish I could get that out where it makes sense. You know what I'm saying? The, huh? You're, you're on target. Man, when it comes out, it's just like, it doesn't make no sense, you know. But, but that's, that's the thing about it, is, is intolerance of the truth, and those that are intolerant say we have the truth. Here's a good example of this. Christians claim that Jesus Christ died on the cross. Muslims' religion claims that Jesus Christ did not die on the cross. Both of those statements can't be true. One of them has to be true. One of them has to be false. So we can't look at that and say there's no absolute truth. And this morning, if you're here and you're just kind of seeking, you're kind of uh, investigating who Christ is or the Christian faith... I'm glad you're here, we love you, and I don't want to run you off and, and embarrass you or manipulate you into trying or thinking of certain thing or put you on the spot, but we're not going to shrink away from the fact that Christian faith is truthful. I'm not talking about Baptists, I'm not talking about East Delta, I'm talking about the Christian faith is a true faith. And we're going to look today in 1 John, and he explains that, and he tells us that, uh, we, not, we don't want to be intolerant or insensitive or any of those things, but we're going to stay 
with the truth of God's Word, and that's what John is telling these Christians to do there in Asia Minor, is to, to, to keep their spiritual balance and their spiritual bearings by following the truth. Now, if you're in chapter 4, 1 John, and you have your Bibles, I don't know what your heading says there, but mine says, test the spirits. That's what mine says there, the heading. Test the spirits. Now, the first thing, if we're, we're trying to get our spiritual, uh, our spiritual bearings this morning, we've asked ourselves, where am I spiritually? How am I moving spiritually? Where am I going to be fed spiritually? Here's the first thing we need to think about that John says, we need discernment. The, the Apostle John, he begins with a, a, sober, so, uh, a sober warning in, in verse 1. Dear friends... Do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. I want you to think about this. We have a tendency, and this may insult you, I don't mean to, but I'm, I'm referring to myself. We have a tendency to be very gullible people. When it comes to Claims about the supernatural. That's why shows are so popular on TV that claim something supernatural. We're, we're kind of gullible in that area, and we tend to believe anything we hear about the spiritual realm, whether it comes from, from Oprah Renfrey or some article in Guidepost magazine, whether it's a talk show radio host or, or an in, uh, expert being interviewed on, on Newsweek. Uh, it, it, we, we place a lot of truth in that. We, we, we begin to believe that, but that's because somebody says, this person's an expert, or this person's a Christian, or this person has some kind of spiritual authority. All of a sudden, we begin to believe that person. We begin to listen to them, and we say, hey, you know, this, this sounds pretty good. But what John is telling us as a church is, he don't want us to be so gullible. He wants us to stop listening and following every ism that comes along and test the spirit. Now, the word spirit here can refer to several things. It says test the spirits to see whether they're from God. So as we think about these things, this, this word spirit can refer to our personal experiences. Okay, we have personal experiences spiritually, don't we? We may read scripture. We may, God may reveal some things to us. We may hear some things. We need to test those against God's word. If we're sitting there in our car in traffic and all of a sudden we have some kind of revelation, we need to go to God's word and we need to see what God's word says about it. And we need to test that. It can also refer to religious leaders. When a religious leader gets up and he makes a claim, we need to test that against God's Word. It, it also refers to religious groups. In other words, churches and groups of folks that claim some kind of religious experience, we need to test those spirits. That's what John is saying. And folks, you may be sitting here today saying, oh brother, I, I don't even want to hear all this. I'm not interested in all this. But we need to understand today in our society, John says there are many false prophets that have gone out into the world. You know what Jesus said? He said, beware. Because when you're walking among the sheep, there's going to be some folks among you that look just like sheep. But you know what? They're going to be sheep, wolves in sheep's clothing. In other words, there's going to be false prophets. They're going to walk among you. They're going to talk like you. They're going to look like you. 
but they're really wolves. They're really false prophets. And John's just reminding us of, of Christ's warning that, that we need to test every spirit that comes along. John says this, we don't, need to, we don't need to look at every group and simply say, well, they talk about God, they talk about Christ, they've got to be right. They're reading Scripture out of the Bible. We need to test those groups. Not only, do we need to, not only do we need to test them with the Spirit, that word test means, listen to this, try to learn the genuineness of something by close examination. Now, hear this again, that word test. Try to learn the genuineness of something by close examination. When I was a, I was a clerk cashier for TPNL in Wiley, Texas, and we had a funeral home, in Wiley, Texas. I may not already told that. This might be some kind of privacy. But anyway, well, I don't have to tell why. We, they had to bring us some money <laughs> that day. <laughs> uh, so they brought cash, a large sum. And in that cash, they brought a $500 bill. Dwayne, you remember this? I, I think I called you and asked you if you wanted to buy that $500 bill. Have y'all ever seen a $500 bill? Only one I've ever seen. You know what it didn't have on it? In God we trust. It wasn't on there. This was an old, old $500 bill. The guy from the funeral home said it had been in their safe for years and years. You know what I did? I studied closely to learn the genuineness through close examination. I mean, I looked at that thing... And I thought, well, it doesn't have in God we trust on it. It must not be real. And I looked at the back of it, and it, it, didn't even, it wasn't even the right color. You know, it's so old, it was just faded. And I took it to the bank. I called Dwayne, my, Dwayne's my uncle, and I said, hey, I got this $500 bill. You might want to buy this thing. It, it thing maybe, I didn't have $500. There's no way I could have bought it. But, but I said, this thing is old. And the bank looked at it, and they said, oh, yeah, it's real. There was two or three years there that whatever president we had, he had that taken off the money. Did y'all know that? That's true. And, uh, but, but I want you to think about this. I was testing that bill. Listen, spiritually testing. Try to learn the genuineness of something by closed examination. I, mean, I didn't just simply take it at face value. I said, something smells fishy about this. So up on close examination, I found out, hey, it's, there's nothing wrong with it. It's right. Here, let me give you another example. If you, if you hear some store make some outrageous claim, well, you hear that all the time on commercials, come down here and, and buy a, a new radio and we'll give you a car to put it in. You know, if they make some kind of claim like that, you need to learn the genuineness by close examination. You need to test that. You don't simply need to say, hot dog, boy, I'm going to get me a new car. I'm going to buy a $30 radio. They told me they're going to give me a car to put it in. Sounds good to me. Let's go on. Well, those two words that, James, that John uses here is we need, to, we need to test through the Spirit. We need to take close examination and really look at what God's telling us through the leaders that are coming before us. We can't simply take things at their face value. Okay, you say, all right, I hear you, I agree. You've gone through all the illustrations, I've got it. How do I do that? How do we do it? Look right there in, in verse 2 of chapter 4. This is how you do it. That's what the Scripture says. 
This is how you can recognize the Spirit of God. Folks, underline this in your Bible. Make a note there that, hey, how do I test the Spirit? This is how you recognize the Spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. You hear that? So if we have a leader or someone who simply says, you know, Jesus Christ is God incarnate. He, it's God has come in the flesh. Then it's from God. But listen to this. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus Christ is not from God. In fact, it's the spirit of the Antichrist who you have heard is coming and even now is already in the world. Now, we covered that. That doesn't mean the Antichrist was born during that time. It simply, the Antichrist means anyone against Christ, anything that is against Christ. So John says this, how can we determine? How can we know the Spirit? We need to simply look at the Spirit, test the Spirit, because every spirit that acknowledges that Christ has come into the flesh is from God. Now, let's go a step farther. When we talk about testing, what did we say? We said you need to look, learn the genuineness by close examination. In other words, if we say, okay, I listened to this guy. He said that Jesus Christ is from God and, and just move on. You know, that can be something on the surface. That can be something real, real shallow. And that's why it takes close examination. He uses the word acknowledge. That, that involves recognition and commitment. In other words, if we acknowledge something, there, there ought to be recognition that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that He's God incarnate, that He comes from God. And there also be a commitment to that. In other words, their teachings, their writings, everything they say would acknowledge that truth. It would be a commitment to that truth. Not just some surface thing. Every spirit that confesses Jesus Christ incarnate is from God. That incarnate means God Himself came to earth in, in human form. If you have any person, any group, any religious leader that does not teach that, that does not believe that, it's from Satan. It's part of the Antichrist. Now, folks, I just have two points this morning. We're fixing to be to the second one, so stay with me. We can get our bearings, our spiritual bearings, by developing doctrinal discernment. Now, when I say the word doctrine, I know from folks that, that doctrine, if you say doctrine in church, a lot of people throw a wall up. They say, oh, we don't, we don't, we don't, we're not interested in doctrine, okay? If you're not interested in doctrine, that means you're going to believe any ism that comes along. Because doctrine has nothing to do with the denomination you're a part of. Doctrine is simply this. This is what God's Word says. The doctrine of Jesus Christ is He came from God. That's doctrine. That's what that is. So, so we're looking and we're saying, how can we determine whether someone is from Christ, whether someone is part of the Antichrist? John lays it out here. We need to recognize. We need to test through the Spirit. We need to acknowledge that everyone that comes from Jesus Christ, that got Jesus Christ is from God, that that is a spirit that's come from God. They're teaching that. But here's the thing I want you to remember. Just because someone claims that, if you hear a... I remember hearing a song one time, and it has something about Jesus in it. 
And, and one of my kids were real little, and they said, boy, I like that song. And I didn't like the song. And I said, why do you like it? Well, it's talking about Jesus. No, it wasn't. It was talking about going to some bar and picking up some woman, and, and it talked about growing up and talk, hearing Jesus. So all of a sudden, we throw Jesus in there. It's got to be a good song. got Jesus in it. You know, that's kind of how we think sometimes. I want you to think about this. I want you to raise your hand. I have you all do this every now and then, but I'm just interested. If you do not know who David Koresh is, raise your hand. Isn't that interesting? There's that many people that don't know who David Koresh is. The Branch Davidians, if, if you've, huh, who he was. <laughs> yeah, not who he is, but who he was. David Koresh was a biblical teacher. He had a big following. He led them all down to Waco. All of them got in a house, and they had, uh, they had guns, and I mean, I'm talking about an arsenal, and uh, the long and short of it is they all died in a fire. They set their own place on fire. Now, you can go watch documentaries on this all day, but, but listen... David Koresh quoted the Bible. You can look at him. They've got him on film. They've got him on video. He talks about revelation. He, he quotes words of revelation. He quotes words about Jesus Christ. He quoted Scripture. And so many people were deceived. They were deceived so much that they set themselves on fire. You know why? To usher in the battle of Armageddon. He had convinced those folks of that. How did he do it? He took this Bible, the same Bible you're carrying, he opened it, he began to read, he began to teach, but you know what he taught? He taught he was Christ. He said, if I'm killed in this battle, I'm going to be resurrected again. And folks began to believe that he was Jesus Christ. Measure that against this passage in John this is how we can recognize the Spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges Jesus Christ has come from God. Who did he say? He said, no, I'm Jesus Christ. I'm the one that's going to come. So immediately, if we had taken this Scripture, you'll say, well, I would have never followed him. Well, be careful. There's, there's sheep, you know, that look just like us. That's real easy to lead us astray. Okay, I'm not even going to ask you to raise your hand because if you didn't know who David Koresh is, you're sure not going to know who Jim Jones was. Jim Jones was an ordained minister from a prominent Christian denomination. He was a Christian. He claimed to be a Christian. He was ordained minister. He quoted the Bible frequently. Yet he led one of the biggest mass suicides in all of history. He carried them off to Guyana or something like that, whatever that place was, and, and he served all of them poison, and they followed him. You know what he did? He was, he was proclaiming the name of Jesus, and he had a huge following. I talked about the Moonies a, a few weeks ago. They quote Bible. They quote things about Jesus Christ. Yet when you penetrate the surface, when you find out what they really believe, they believe that Jesus Christ was a failed attempt to be the Savior. And they believe that Reverend Sung Young Moon came and that He is Christ for us today. 
So they read the Bible. They take the same Scripture we have. They talk about Jesus Christ. They talk about Him coming to be the Savior. But all of a sudden they say, but He failed. So He failed, so we have a replacement for that. Folks, what I'm saying is there's many people today, and those are some, those are some big, drastic things that you might say I would never fall for. But you know what? You've heard about the frog in the kettle. You know, I used to talk about the frog in the kettle a lot, that, that James Barna book, and it simply talked about putting that frog in some cool water and setting him on a stove and turning that stove on, and all of a sudden the water gets hotter and the water gets hotter, and, and the frog just sits there and, and boils himself to death. He never jumps out because that warm water just gets a little warmer and a little warmer and a little warmer, and all of a sudden he's deceived. Folks, that's how Satan works. All of a sudden, we begin to listen. We begin to hear some teachings. And, and there's a little bit of false teaching in that. And, and we begin to listen. We begin to believe. And then there's a little more false teaching. That water gets a little hotter. And we begin to believe. And then that water gets even a little hotter. And we begin to believe. And all of a sudden, spiritually, we've lost our bearings. We've gotten way off of God's plan and God's design for us. And we need to come back and we need to get our spiritual bearings by testing those in which we hear in C.S. Lewis. Y'all may have heard of him. I think you have in Mere Christianity. He talks about the, 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 the two circles. And, and these two circles in the most inner circle. Here's the truth that, that Christians believe in the, the most inner circle is that. The incarnation of Jesus Christ. That's a core belief for Christians. The incarnation that, that Jesus Christ is, is God Himself come to earth. That's a core belief that we have. And then he talks about God, that God really exists, that God is a personal God. That's a core belief that we as Christians have. The central of all our claims, that we can communicate with God. That's a, that's a core belief that we have. Now, now he's a, he gives another circle outside of that, that inner circle. That inner circle is core beliefs that Christians believe. If, and I'm talking about testing the spirits, that core belief that Jesus Christ is the only way to God, that, that Jesus Christ came, that He died, that He rose again, that He's our Savior, that's a core belief. Now, in this second circle, He puts things in there that, that we as Christians don't always see eye to eye on. Maybe it's things like baptism. All Christians don't see eye to eye on that. Is it immersion or is it sprinkling? Maybe it's things like the role of spiritual gifts in the church. All Christians don't see eye to eye on those things. Maybe it's things like even educational choice, whether you send your kids to public school, whether you send them to private school, whether you homeschool. That's, that's issues in certain churches. All Christians don't believe the same. Maybe it's w worship lifestyle, uh, how, we, how we worship. All Christians don't. But you know what? We can, we can disagree about those things in that second circle, and still live in harmony with each other. In other words, is that, if that core belief is right, if that central belief is right, that, that Jesus is Christ is the only way to God, and, and, and those things that we've talked about, if those are right, those, that, that bigger circle, we can get along. We, we may not believe it. We may not share the same views. But folks, when we begin to test the spirits, and we find things outside of that circle... That's where atheism falls. That's where, where modern-day cults fall. That's where uh, things like the Mormon church, yeah, that's a cult. The Mormon church believes that Jesus 
is the spiritual brother of Lucifer, of Satan. That's what the Mormon church believes, that, that they're brothers. That lies outside that second circle. Muslims claim that Jesus Christ was not God's son. That falls outside that second circle. The New Age movement tells us that to gain salvation, that's to be reincarnated, or, or karma has something to do with that. That falls outside that second circle. When we begin to check those faiths, when we find those things that fall outside of that core belief, and even beyond that second circle, we need to know that those spirits, according to John, is the spirit of the Antichrist, in which you have heard is coming and now already in the world. Here's my last thing this morning. Applying spiritual truth. We're not going to spend much time here because we don't have much time, but I want you to see verses 4 through 6. You, dear children, I want you to think about this this morning. I, I am a dear child, and you are from God, and you have overcome those spirits. Listen, you, dear children, are from God, and have overcome them, listen, because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. They're from the world, and therefore speak from a viewpoint of the world. In other words, the worldview. He's talking about false prophets. And the world listens to them. But folks, you, we are from God. And whoever knows God listens to us, but whoever is not from God does not listen to us. And this is how we recognize the spirit of truth and the spirit of falsehood. Now, I'm going to wrap this up with this. Remember what John's talking about. He's talking to a church in Asia Minor that inside the church they have false prophets and they have folks that teaching that Jesus Christ was not the Savior and that there's other ways to God and all of these things. So John says... Folks, you're from God if you're a born-again Christian. The Bible calls that a new birth. You are from God, and those that are from God, they listen to the truth. But they, now he's talking about those false prophets, verse 5, they are from the world, and therefore they speak from a, isn't this interesting, a worldview. That's what he says, isn't it? He says they speak in a viewpoint of the world. In other words, a worldview and the world listens to them. But folks, listen, if you're born again, we are from God. And whoever knows God, knows God, listens to us. But whoever is not from God does not listen. Now John is talking to Christians, and he says if, if you are from God, then you're going to listen to what God has to say when we get our spiritual bearings, it, it comes when we know we have spiritual victory. I want to ask you a question we started with this morning. We're thinking about this. What is our ministry? What's your purpose? What's your goal? In 2016, we're starting a new year. What's your spiritual purpose? Folks, I, I promise you, God didn't just didn't just save us to... To, and I say this all the time, set, soak, and sour. That's not why we're here. God saved us for a purpose. He's got a ministry for us. He's got something that, that He wants to fill us with that will fulfill His ministry. So, so what is your goal and what is your purpose? By the way, when I was lost on Cooper Lake, 
we kept searching. I was ready to give up. I was ready to throw my hands up and say, I'm just quit. Pop was with me. Daddy was with me. And uh, I just sat down and just went. I wanted to cry. I just I just, I didn't know what to do. I went. He, he does his mouth like you. He's not here. <laughs> it's what he does when he's getting mad. He goes, what are you doing? I said, I don't know what to do. He said, well, you can't just quit. We got to get out of here. <laughs> he was stressed out too. <laughs> and I said, well, I don't know what to do, Daddy. He said, just keep going. Just keep going. So we kept going. I said, what direction do we need to go? He said, I don't know. Go that way. We're going we're gonna to run into land or we're going to find something. You can't just quit. Well, finally, we ended up in a boat lane. And I said, which way do we need to go? Because <laughs> it's dark. And I, we looked this way, and we looked that way. And he said, I see a light down yonder. And we were in that main boat lane that leaves uh, Klondike, I mean, yeah, Klondike boat ramp, John Creek, I guess it is. And on that boat ramp, there's a little red light on some kind of pump or where no street lights, no guard lights, no anything. It was just a little bitty red light. And he said, head that way. And, and we turned the boat, and we started heading for the light. <laughs> and finally we got there, and there was the boat ramp. And, you know, boy, we felt good. The burden was lifted. We were happy again. Uh, we was really, I mean, we had a peace. We knew, hey, we, we made it. And, folks, if you're lost, and spiritually, you, you don't, you're ready to throw your hands up. We get there spiritually, don't we? I mean, we get to a point, sometimes we just throw our hands up. Well, I don't know what to do. My, my family's not where I want it. I'm not even where I want to be. You know, Paul said that. I do things I don't even want to do. And sometimes we just want to throw our hands up. Jake asked me this morning, what's, what's my ministry? I have no idea. I just throw my hands up. I just want to quit. Listen, God's looking at us with his mouth open, going, hey, don't quit. Don't give up. Go towards the light. And you know what? If we go towards the light, all of a sudden we're going to find a comfort. We're going to find a peace. And you know what? We're going to find direction. Listen to what Christ says. Those who seek me will find me, and I will in no way cast them out. Would you bow with me? Those who seek me will find me, and I will in no way cast them out. As we enter a new year, 2016, have you got your spiritual bearings down? Don't throw your hands up and say, you know what, I'm, I just give up. I don't know where to go. Would you just seek the Lord? I know what it feels like to be lost. I know what it feels like spiritually to have my bearings all messed up. I could tell you stories about it. I could tell you stories about sitting at home, leaving a ministry, and then just sitting at home saying, you know what, I've, just, I've lost it. I've, I don't want to go to church. I don't want to minister. I've been there. I've done that. What brought me back was my kids asking their mama, why do we have to go when daddy's not going? 
I wanted just to throw my hands up and say, you know what? I give up. But if you'll seek the Lord, He'll give you direction. He'll give you purpose. He'll give you a ministry. And you know what? That ministry won't be burdensome. It won't be something you have to drag yourself to do. But it'll leave something that you find peace, that you find comfort, and that you find joy in. Father, I pray this morning as we consider our spiritual bearings and where we are. Father, I pray that we wouldn't be, or if we are to that point of just throwing our hands up and, and giving up. Father, I pray that we would know today that, that you restore to us the joy of our salvation. Father, I pray today if we need to just, just rededicate ourselves today, this first Sunday of a new year, Father, today would be a day that we, we come to you and we just we rededicate our lives to your purpose in our lives. Father, I pray for any here today that would say, you know, I've never, I've never got that new life and that new birth, but I need today, I need to accept Jesus Christ. I believe today that he is the only way to God. And I pray today that day will be the day of salvation for you. If you just don't know where your ministry is or where you're headed, I pray today that you would just lift up this time of prayer to say, Lord, show me the ministry you have for me. And Father, I pray that if you've been lifted up in this place today, that you draw us unto yourself. In this time of invitation, I pray for direction, leadership, and guidance in our hearts. And I pray this in the name of Jesus.